As the Qatar court sentences eight Indian former naval officers to death for charges of what are believed to be spying, what are New Delhi's options? What is the case about? Where are India-Qatar ties at present? And are there geopolitical undertones to the outcome? Hello and welcome to Worldview at the Hindu with me, Sahasini Heather. Now, the government says it is shocked by the verdict in the case against eight men, all formerly with the Indian Navy, who've been convicted in, in a Qatari trial this week and sentenced to death. Before we go further, let's just tell you about this case that after perhaps the case of uh, commander, former commander Jadhav in Pakistan has become one of the Modi government's biggest diplomatic challenges. And we'll tell you just why uh, up ahead. But first, here's a brief timeline of what we know has happened because many of the details of this case have been kept under wraps by both sides. On August 30th, 2022, we know that the eight Indian nationals, including seven former naval commanders and captains and one former naval sailor were arrested by Qatari authorities. They were taken into uh, detention allegedly, although they weren't told about the charges, allegedly on charges of espionage. The exact charges, the evidence, a detailed judgment hasn't been provided to even the families of the accused just yet. Now, according to reports, including one by Qatar's otherwise prolific Al Jazeera network, uh, those suggested that secrets pertaining to Qatar's stealth submarine program had been somehow leaked to Israel. And that's what uh, the case in connection with which these men were taken into custody. Remember, all the officers involved, um, and we have all their names, they've had stellar records in service. Commander Punendu Tiwari was even awarded the Pravasi Bharatiya Samman in 2019 by then President Kovind. Um, for his work in developing India-Qatar ties. And the families of each of these uh, naval personnel have maintained their innocence of all the charges. And yet, there has been no real progress on trying to release them or bring them back home. We also know that the Omani owner of the company involved, which is called Dera Global Technologies and Consulting Services, was arrested at one point of time, but released on bail in November 2022, leading for many to talk about the discriminatory behavior perhaps between him and his Indian employees. Um, in March 2023, the trial actually began in the case. In May 2023, Dera Global Company actually shut its operations down in Qatar. October 1st, then, the Indian ambassador to Qatar met um, uh, the eight men in prison. He was given consular access to them. On October 3rd, then, there was the seventh hearing in the case in what is called the court of first instance. And there had been some hopes uh, that there would be a favorable outcome. However, on October 26th, the court reportedly handed down this one sentence guilty verdict in the case of uh, reported espionage pronouncing the death sentence. As I said, given the sensitive nature of the case, neither the government nor Qatari authorities or the families, in fact, have spoken out uh, at all about the case. The one exception, perhaps, were tweets by a family member, Dr. Meetu Bhargav, who confirmed their incarceration um, and, and actually asked for intervention at the highest levels in India. With the sentencing now done, all pleas by the families, Indian government thus far, really appear to have fallen on deaf ears in Doha. Since it first acknowledged the case, the Ministry of External Affairs, 
uh, has said it has done everything possible. Uh, so that's the government's response on this case consistently. It's saying it is raising the issue at every level. It is lobbying for the release of the eight men. Uh, secondly, it is pushing for consular access to the men in prison to see that they are being treated well um, and also facilitating the families to travel and stay in Qatar while helping with the lawyers and the legal process. In June 2022, now this is prior to the arrest, Vice President Venkaya Naidu had visited Doha. Uh, the arrest had not been made at the time. No mention of the investigation was made in the case, but the investigations must have been well underway. In November 22, after the arrest, the new Vice President Jagdeep Dhankar also travelled to Doha, this time for the FIFA World Cup opening. He addressed the Indian diaspora, but again, there was no mention made of his conversations with the Qatari leadership on this case at the time. National Security Advisor Ajit Doval is believed to have visited Qatar to intercede on the men's behalf, but so far apparently to little avail. And External Affairs Minister S. Jai Shankar, who had, remember, visited Qatar several times in previous years, we'll tell you why, he has not made a visit either, but he spoke in December in Parliament, more recently in June this year at an MEA briefing to a question I posed. Listen it. On the subject of Kulbushan Jadhav, a former naval commander who is in prison in Pakistan, as well as the eight naval, former naval officers in prison in Qatar. Um, the question really is, it's been a year since the, nearly a year since the Qatar incident happened. It's been several years since Kulbushan Jadhav remains in, in, in prison in Pakistan. Has the government given up on diplomatic options in order to have these Indians brought home uh, safely. Uh, I refer not just to, uh, you know, discussions at high levels, but also to uh, creative options we've seen in the past between in the Cold War between the U.S. and Russia, for example. Uh, uh, so, me your question about Kulbushan Yadav and uh, the Qatar case. They're very different cases, first of all. Hmm? Now, your question, will there be any uh, diplomacy around it? Look, I never ruled that out. I mean, I, I, even as a general proposition, because uh, uh, as I said, a large part of our outlook today is really, uh, I mean, if Indian citizens are in difficulties of any kind, and these are two very uh, exceptional situations, uh, the, the sort of, I would say it is in the DNA of this government that we should, we should do whatever we can, whether they are Indian students, which was your question, or, you know, uh, uh, sort of uh, Indian military officers or uh, you know just uh, anybody else or people in the Gulf uh, who often uh, face charges. Now with the power structure in Qatar firmly with the royal Altani family it is Prime Minister Modi who has met uh, on uh, the leadership on occasions including during a bilateral visit to Doha in 2016 for whom the question will come. Will the Prime Minister intervene at his level for clemency? Let's just tell you a little bit about the bilateral and the geopolitical undertones to the crisis before talking about India's options. India and Qatar, remember, have traditionally held good bilateral ties, as India has with most of the countries in West Asia. Their bilateral trade is about $15 billion, but it's been growing quite rapidly, 63% in the last year mainly on the backs of LNG and LPG from Qatar to India and exports of chemicals, construction materials, 
um, iron, copper, food items from India to Qatar. India is among the top three export destinations for Qatar and is also among the top three sources of Qatar's imports just behind China and Japan. And Qatar supplies 42% of India's LNG imports, clean fuel as it is. Indian Qatar also have signed a defense cooperation agreement in 2008. It has been renewed a few times. It's in fact uh, due to be renewed in November 2023. India trains the Qatari military at the NDC and IMA and participates in regular exercises with the Qatari Navy as well. And then there's the people-to-people -people ties where 700,000 Indians live and work in Qatar, the largest expatriate community. It's about 30% uh, of the entire population of between 2.3 to 2.6 million. Indians really are double the number of 313,000 Qatari citizens. Uh, Indians work there as professionals, doctors, nurses, teachers, bankers, apart from labor. So a large Indian contingent there in Qatar. And remember, Qatar hosted the Taliban prior to their takeover of, Kali, uh, of Kabul in 2021. The, uh, Qatar has been key to the negotiations with the Taliban, including the Doha Accords, which were literally signed there. External Affairs Minister Jay Shankar, as a result, made several visits to Doha um, for talks with the Taliban when India was engaging the Taliban there. In 2015, uh, in fact, Qatar is believed to have interceded on India's behalf uh, to free an Indian priest who had been kidnapped by the uh, Taliban. Now, during the 2017, and this was a big moment for Qatar, the blockade by the UAE, the Kingdom of Saudi Arabia, Egypt and Bahrain on Qatar, uh, that went on for several years, India continued its supplies to Doha. It didn't also need to evacuate its citizens as other countries did. So the ties seem to be still close. However, in recent years since then, India's forays in the Gulf region have impacted ties with Qatar, uh, which is really seen more allied with Iran and ranged against the UAE, Saudi Arabia, and of course, Israel as well. So Qatar's isolation in the Gulf that came out of the blockade of 2017 has meant that it is not in favor of India's very close dealings with Saudi Arabia and the UAE. The idea that India is now closer to those two countries in the region and particularly their leadership, Mohammed bin Salman and uh, uh, Mohammed bin Zayed, uh, as opposed to the other leadership in the region. Qatar has also traditionally supported the Muslim Brotherhood, leaders of uh, groups like Hamas, Hezbollah, apart from the Taliban, uh, some of which have actually been uh, designated terror groups. This has really increased uh, suspicions of Qatar's links to terror groups, uh, Al-Qaeda as well, although of course, Qatar then becomes a convenient conduit for negotiations with these groups as well. And the United States has certainly kept a very close relationship with Qatar, despite all of this, simply because it is able to work with these groups there. Along with Turkey, Pakistan, Malaysia, Qatar has also been seen as a challenger to the UAE-KSA combined in the Organization for Islamic Cooperation. And as a result, the closeness with Pakistan in particular has really been a red flag for India. Many uh, reports in Indian newspapers about the Pakistani quote-unquote hand perhaps in this case as well. Qatar and Israel of course have been inimical to each other and India's growing ties with Israel have not gone down well with the Qatari leadership and in addition India's joint US-led initiatives that seem to cut out Qatar like the I2U2 or the new India Middle East uh, Europe economic corridor announced during the G20. The U.S. has in fact even indicated it thinks that the Hamas attacks on October 7th on Israelis was targeted at some of these regional integration moves 
as well as the Abraham Accords between Israel and members of the Arab world. Listen in to what U.S. President Biden said. I'm convinced one of the reasons Hamas attacked when they did, I have no proof of this, as my instinct tells me, is because of the progress we were making towards regional integration for Israel and regional integration overall. And we can't leave that work behind. Finally, in recent years, the Qatari media particularly has expressed its concerns about the Modi government's treatment of minorities. Uh, the Qatari leadership snubbed Vice President uh, Venkaya Naidu during his visit. It cancelled a banquet in his honour, uh, ostensibly over remarks against the Prophet by a BJP leader at the time. And you remember it was a big controversy in May, June 2022, and we had covered it on Worldview for you. At the present moment, and this brings us to all that's happening right now, some have suggested that the perceptions of India's support for Israel over the Gaza bombings have strained ties with Qatar further. And the fact that eight Indians have reportedly been accused of spying for Israel makes the timing of this verdict that much more significant. Even so, it is hard to say that the trial of the eight Indians and the verdict is directly linked to any of these geopolitical factors. So given it is where it is, what are India's options right now? So we'll just run through those options for you. Uh, one, to pursue the legal appeals in the case. India says it's doing it already. It's waiting to study the judgment uh, properly. It hasn't yet got a copy. Uh, second, to try and resolve the case diplomatically, have diplomatic efforts, send ministers in uh, to speak of ways in which they can offer a compromise, perhaps, to Qatar in this case. The third, most important one, is the political intervention at Prime Minister Narendra Modi's level to request a pardon if necessary. If the Qataris actually are amenable to that, they agree to commute the sentences to life terms, for example, or other imprisonment, India could actually use a 2016 agreement that Prime Minister Modi had signed when he had gone there on the transfer of sentenced prisoners and then bring them back to India uh, to serve their terms out. Now, this is, of course, uh, right now just a hope, but it is certainly one of the uh, options for India. A fourth option is to build an international uh, campaign to appeal for clemency. It's unclear whether that actually works, uh, but to keep the case at the top of the headlines internationally as well as domestically. The fifth, uh, to file a case at the International Court of Justice as it did in the Jadav case in Pakistan. But even with the ICJ verdict that seemed to go in India's favor, uh, it doesn't. It hasn't made any difference to the actual case because it's eventually up to the country in question to follow the ruling. Um, so what does India do as examples? Let's take a look at what some of the other countries have done in similar situations or slightly similar situations through the Cold War, of course, and we've spoken about this before. US and Russia regularly held spy swaps. Uh, many use the examples from Israel as well. If you remember, in 2006, Israel uh, pounded Lebanon. It carried out a naval blockade of the Lebanese uh, harbor, bombed Hezbollah-held areas after two IDF soldiers were taken hostage by the Hezbollah. While the bombing continued for a while, it didn't seem to achieve that uh, outcome. But five years later, Israel changed tack and was able to bring back one of those soldiers alive, Jilad Shalit. Um, he, this was after Israel released a thousand plus mostly Palestinian prisoners in exchange. In 2012, and in an example that's much closer to India, after India had arrested two Italian Marines for the killing of Indian fishermen off the coast of Kerala, 
Italy mounted a diplomatic campaign. It included blocking India's membership in a missile grouping called MTCR. Eventually, India freed the soldiers in 2016 on quote-unquote humanitarian grounds. So what's Worldview's take on the case? With the conviction of the eight Indian citizens and former naval servicemen, the case for their release is a legal and diplomatic one, but it is also essentially a humanitarian one. The government must make the case uh, and make its focus uh, on targeted attempts at negotiations with Qatar on this issue. And this will need an intervention right at the top. This is not the time to stand on protocol, but to move with speed and perhaps more firm diplomacy than brinkmanship. We'll keep covering this case for you, but let's get you some worldview reading recommendations as well. There's a book that I've spoken about often. I can't rec uh, recommend it more in this particular time when there's so much going on. It's called West Asia at War, Repression, Resistance and Great Power Games by Talmiz Emma, the former ambassador to the region. And then there's Persian Gulf, India's relations with the region 2122, uh, PR Kumaraswamy, Samina Haq and Mudassar Kamar have written this and it has a chapter on Qatar that is that is a must read. About Qatar itself and the region, there's Qatar, a modern history illustrated edition by Alan Fromhertz. Uh, another book called The Arabs, a history by Eugene Rogan. And this is really a historical look at the Arab world. How is it that people who speak the same language, belong more or less to the same religion, uh, have so many differences and political fault lines between them. Uh, and then this interesting book called Qatar Small State Big Politics by Mehran Kamrava. And it really looks at how Qatar, despite being so small, despite being landlocked, is able to exert so much diplomatic influence. There are also a few books on spy stories I've spoken about before. There's The Secret World, A History of Intelligence by Christopher Andrew, a must read. I'm just getting through it. Uh, there's Spy Swap, The Humiliation of Putin's Intelligence Services by Nigel West. Spy Stories, Kathy Scott Clark and Adrian Levy. They call themselves the Gavrilov Channel uh, that refers to Russia-US spy swap communications. But they were between India and Pakistan. That channel didn't go anywhere though. Uh, and a book called Bridge of Spies by, uh, by Giles Whitell. Um, so these are some of the books you might find interesting. And as I said, we'll continue to track this case for you here on Worldview, but that's all we have time for. Uh, do follow us on our YouTube channel of The Hindu, as well as on our website, www.thehindu.com. From the team here, thanks for watching.